Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. How's it going, Jill? Hey, it's good. How are you? I'm doing well. I've been a little sick the last week, so my voice might be a little scratchy sounding, but um, I'm feeling better just in time for the podcast. Um, we got a couple of fun things to talk about today. So we're going to talk about eBay investing in a separate luxury resale company, um, which is interesting because they kind of are, they do a lot of luxury resale themselves. We'll talk a bit about that. Then we're going to talk about the Schiaparelli show from earlier this week, which had some of those extremely crazy viral looks that went around. You probably know what I'm talking about. Finally, we'll talk about the the denim category and um, some information that came out of Levi's earnings report uh, on Wednesday. But let's start with eBay. So on Monday, eBay led a $9 million funding round for a British luxury resale company called Kudoni. It's very similar to the Real Real. It's kind of consignment-based. The, the website is very fancy. It sort of honestly looks like the Real Real. Um, for me, I think... There were two interesting things there. One is that it's just like continues this thing we've talked about a lot, which is that there's so much investor interest in resale. There's so much money being poured into this category, especially at a time when, from what I've heard, it's really hard to get money from investors. They're much stingier about stuff. They're less interested in putting a ton of money into something if they don't know if it's going to succeed. Um, it seems like one of the few exceptions to that is resale. There's like there's constant funding in all the different resale companies, both, both the kind of public-facing ones like Kudoni, which interacts directly with customers, and then the sort of behind-the-scenes ones like Archive or Trove and all those. So um, I have another thought about it, but Joe, what are your thoughts on on that point and just eBay putting you know almost $10 million into another resale company? Yeah, you're right. It makes sense. Resale, if any category is going to get funding right now, that will be it. It's hot. It's booming. But also, we know luxury is booming. So it all makes sense across the board. Um, I did a little digging. It it all came out of... um, eBay Ventures, which quietly launched in 2022. And it was interesting to me, um, obviously the American resale market is very crowded. There are a lot of players and a way to go about, you know, obtaining those those buyers where it's so competitive. We know Vestiaire Collective um, scooped up Tradesy and now it's got this foothold or it's got a large um, US presence. But eBay, for its part, since it just launched this Ventures, uh, I guess, arm, um, it the there, its only other investment was in a company called Ties or Tease, T-I-S-E, and that's actually um, resale as well. Um, not quite as high-end. It's like Ghani, Zara, Gymshark. I dug in a little bit, but um, this is in Germany. Um, its latest investment, Kadoni, whatever, it's UK. Um, and so those are its second and third largest markets beyond the US. So, I mean, I'm, I wonder if a US <laughs> resale investment is coming soon. We know it's trying, it's going for that hard with its authenticity, um, play. It's, it's expanded from handbags to, I think watches. You've written a lot about their, their, they're gunning for the luxury consumer. Um, but anyway, it makes yeah. sense to me. Well, that, so that I, you raised an interesting point because I was going to say, um, yeah, like you said, eBay has become very kind of luxury focused recently. They've done a lot of stuff around watches, a lot of stuff around handbags. They added authentication, which they weren't doing for a while. 
Um, I've spoken several times to Tarath Kemdar is his name, who's the, he's currently the head of global luxury, and but he started in 2020 as just head of luxury, which I think was US focused. Um, so my, what I was going to say is that it's interesting that as eBay is trying to position itself as a place for luxury resale, that they would then invest in a separate luxury resale place. And I was going to sort of bring up how that's kind of odd. But now that you've mentioned, I definitely think the international element is probably explains a bit of that. eBay has a big presence. I mean, eBay is global, but it's a US company. And Kudoni is UK based and you know maybe has a little more of a foothold in in on that side of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, they also are a slightly different business model. From what I could tell, it looks like Kudoni is kind of a more consignment based, whereas eBay is just peer to peer with you know whatever photos people put up there. So it is a little bit of a different experience. But yeah, the international element I had not considered that, but yeah, I definitely think that's a big part of it. Yeah, and it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, and not the international part, but um, Amazon um, and getting in cahoots with what goes around comes around, who has a large, they're known for luxury resale uh, recently, which I wrote about, and also Rent the Runway, which um, these are well-known fashion names. Amazon wants to be more well-known as a fashion retailer, higher fashion. So, you know, we saw the same type of a thing with uh, Pinterest scooping up the yes. Like anyway, it's just like they're more, more known for high fashion as well. They're going to learn from the yes. They're going to scoop up their customers. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to see stuff like this all the time. Something that was interesting to me, uh, I was creeping on this eBay Ventures site. There's like a frequently asked questions. And one of the questions was, um, do you only invest in startups that directly impact the eBay marketplace? They're like, no. Anyway, I mean, they could just want to scoop to scoop up a resale player um, because that's you know lucrative. Uh, I do think that they'll you know make this work for eBay, but it's just saying no. We invest in disruptive early stage companies that are revolution revolutionizing the commerce landscape, basically positioning it as something totally separate. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. And, you know, you mentioned Amazon, and I reminded me another thing I was going to say. I feel like eBay has a little bit of the Amazon problem where because they're so big and they um, have uh, a lot of different categories all on the same site, they sort of mix high and low. You know, there's $10,000 Rolex right next to, you know, I, I don't even know, a, an old pogo stick or something like all the other random stuff that gets sold on eBay, too. And we know from Amazon that their their whole push with luxury was to try and separate out the luxury stuff from toilet paper and all the other stuff that's on Amazon. And I don't think that has really worked out for them, but at least they, they clearly know that that's like what the, the luxury customer wants. So for eBay, obviously, they're not going to stop selling luxury on, on eBay, but um, it does feel like that might be a component too, to have the separate site that they have a relationship with that's just luxury and just catered. And, you know, maybe they're experimenting a little bit with that. Um, would be interesting to, if if eBay ever went for like a Amazon luxury stores kind of thing that's like on a totally different, like a separate site that's, you know, partitioned off from the rest of eBay or something. Um, who knows? I could see that happening. Totally. I'm Googling eBay luxury right now. I feel like that should exist. <laughs> does it? I think it? so. Should we check? I don't, I don't think it does, but let me, let's see. Life of luxury. There's a header. There's watches, there's Gucci bags. There is a landing site, so I don't know um, how they're promoting it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're just Googling and, it, and you Google a, a name on their top brands. They've got Celine, Chanel, 
Mm-hmm. Dior. Anyway, they're clearly going there. More yeah. of the story. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of luxury, let's move on and talk about the Schiaparelli show. Um, this was in Monday. Ooh, I like how you say it. Schiaparelli. Schiaparelli, <laughs> yeah. So this was on Monday, and probably a lot of our listeners have already seen some of the images from it and know what we're talking about, but I think we should dive into it. The, it was a big show, and and it was like the classic like luxury maximalist thing with these crazy sort of reminded me of what brand was it that did the spray on dress last season like yes caperni right? caperni right i felt like this this was the equivalent of that like a big kind of crazy moment so the the two that stuck out to me were so kylie jenner naomi campbell and arena shake i think were all like wore these dresses with these huge fake taxidermied animal heads on them which then sort of were also up on the runway and then Doja Cat wore this like bo- entire body paint red and covered in 30,000 crystals like on her whole body look. I got to tell you that look terrified me. Like I it really <laughs> scared it like triggered my claustrophobia and also like tryptophobia and every other phobia I have. I was like, "Oh my god, I couldn't even look at it." It like freaked me out so much. Yeah, Did you have so that I- feeling? <laughs> I thought it was so freaking cool. But side note, I thought it was so funny. She went to another show yesterday. You know, she it was very menswear. She had her fake mustache. I mm. forget what show it was. But the fact of the matter is she wanted to, like, defend herself. And she's like, hey, guys, the look I wore to Scaparelli, I'm getting flack online for not wearing lashes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm wearing lashes today. And I'm like, lashes? Who the <laughs> hell was thinking of lashes with that look? It was so wild. I couldn't think of anything other than like how uncomfortable I would be wearing that. Like, I don't know. It just freaked me out to look at. Yeah. So it was Five I- hours to put on these uh, crystals, Swarovski crystals uh, by Pat McGrath and her team. I mean quite the the operation and it just it 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 was a little bit like horror to me like it was kind of grotesque like maybe this is just my personal feeling but and but that's not necessarily a bad thing like I feel like some of the coolest fashion stuff is a little off-putting and scary sometimes and that that you know that's not a bad thing but it definitely freaked me out um the the like fake taxidermy stuff I also kind of didn't really like but it, it's interesting. So, like, obviously, they made it very clear these were not. This wasn't a real lion's head or something. It was just like a really um, very intricate recreation. And I'm like, okay, that's t- that's good that it was not really a decapitated lion. Um, I do think it has an interesting relationship to like fashions deal with fur at the moment because so many brands are not using fur at all. Obviously, definitely not using like animal heads, but. I was trying to figure out or, or remember the name of this. There, there used to be a thing where women would wear an actual like fox's body or something draped over their neck. What was that? What did they call that? You know what I'm talking don't about? No, just like a mink stole something. I don't yeah, know. Was there like a that. name? I don't, I maybe know. it didn't have a name, but yeah, like people used to very much like show off the fact that this used to be a real animal that we killed and now I'm wearing it or something like that used to be <laughs> a thing. Like, and obviously. Sexy. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it doesn't have a specific name, but um, probably you know what I'm talking about, though. Like totally. either a mink, yeah, mink stall or something. I've seen a literal fox, like with its head and everything still attached, draped over uh, the neck, and that's so cruel to me. And I'm glad we don't do that anymore. Um, and this show, or like these outfits, kind of it was sort of weird to recreate something that I think was really messed up, even though it was fake. I'm like, but why even? 
I, I, I get that it was very show-stopping and eye-catching, and that's what uh, these shows and, and stuff are meant to do and get a ton of media attention, which this definitely did. But I just, like, I don't know. Like, we, we stopped doing this for real. I don't think we should recreate a fake version of it because it's, like, messed up. I don't know. This is a beautiful, noble creature. I don't want to see its head cut off or something. Um, what did you get? What did you think about that in relation to like fur and and fashion's relationship yeah. with animals and leather and stuff? Yeah, uh, I I literally had one thought, and then I as I'm like thinking about it and reading commentary, I like changed my thought. Anyway, but the original, I was at first like you going, oh God, well that's not good. Peter's gonna hate that. Like I, <laughs> I was like, it's just wrong. Um, but then also, yes, it did fuel this conversation. PETA did say, um, speaking of like this beautiful creature, they called it, I don't know, a celebration of it. And, um, they were not pissed. Um, and then you look at it, people are like, well, why do you have a problem with faux leather, faux, uh, faux fur, which a lot of, there was a lot of faux fur on the runway, um, snake, faux snake skin. Um, like, what do you have a problem with? And it was also so funny. Um, it was reported in Dazed. Some, somebody put on social media, how would you feel if those were dogs, cats, or even a person's head? And then they're like, oh, Gucci did have a human head walking down the runway. Remember? <laughs> like, and Jared Leto that. held the human oh, head. This yes. was like in the last couple of years. And so like, Literally, we've done it with human heads. <laughs> Why not a lion head at this point? And also, I mean, what are we going to see in Fashion Month that's coming up? Because at this point, if you're going to put in the investment to have a show, you see the virality of things. You see what gets attention. I mean, it's like go big or go home. Everybody's talking about it. Um other shows that happened that day, that week, are lost in the shuffle. When they were talking, there was talk on uh, in media on social on social about who was there: Kylie Jenner, Kylie, uh, who else? Up uh, Doja Cat, and and then it was like it was like a big to do. And then it was like Diane Kruger and Christine Gunn were or Quinn were also there. <laughs> like like they yeah. didn't do up a crazy look, and so nobody really even knew. So um, yeah. I, I would, I see the value and if, and also couture, it's like an art show anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I don't know that, I, I think I'm, I see what they are doing. Scaparelli's mm-hmm. always been very like over the top, avant-garde, yeah. wild. I have less of a problem with it now is the moral of the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think you're right that, I mean, because we cover fashion, we we see a lot more of the shows and stuff and probably the average person doesn't know what was on, you know, some random runway where nobody wore a taxidermied lion head. It just was, you know, normal outfits and stuff that doesn't really stick in the mind in the same way. I mean, it's like the one that I just referenced was the Caperni spray on dress. And that's because that was this big novel moment that went viral on social media and stuff. And all the other shows, I kind of, I'm sure I liked them at the time, but kind of just forgot about them after the fact. So it does feel like you're right. If you're going to have a show you kind of have to come up with some memorable way to stand out if you're, you know, because if you're not and you're just going to show outfits and be normal, like you can just do that, you know, in an Instagram gallery. You don't even need to have the show and it'll save you literally millions of dollars to not do it. So yeah, I'm (laughs) going into New York Fashion Week, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm definitely interested to see if there's anything big and crazy like this um, 
because I can't, I feel like a lot of the big viral crazy moments have been in European fashion weeks recently. Like what was the last big New York thing that happened? I don't even remember. Um, Anything? I don't know. I'm blanking. Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) I got nothing. Yeah. Well, we'll be talking a lot about fashion weeks in various places over the next month. Um, Same as last September, we're going to talk about Jill, you and I will be going to New York Fashion Week. Sophia will be covering some stuff in Europe. I think she's going to, she's definitely going to London, possibly Paris and others. So we will talk a lot about this in the coming weeks. Let's move on and talk about our final topic, which is um, Levi's, who had their earnings Wednesday. Um, we're recording this on Thursday. We actually were going to record it on Wednesday and decided to just wait until after the earnings so that we could actually talk about what they said. Um, but it's interesting because before Levi's earnings, on which were on Wednesday in the evening, um, there were several reports that were like, Levi's is going to report um, declining sales and denim is out and it's going to be bad and everything. And then their earnings came out and it was not really like that. They were better than expected. Their revenue was um, $1.59 billion compared to the projected by analysts 1.57. So they they beat all the expectations. The sales were not nearly, I don't think the sales declined at all, actually. They, they were up in, in, in aggregate. Um, there was a couple of small things where their direct-to-consumer sales were down a little bit and their online sales, I think direct-to-consumer sales were down 2% and online sales were down 6 or 7%. So like, yeah, there's some interesting stuff there, but the narrative that oh, people aren't buying denim anymore and all this kind of, um, I think, did not come through quite as much as people said. Um, I feel like there's a lot to talk about here, but to start, Jill, what do you make of that idea that like people aren't buying jeans anymore or don't want to? Mm, I mean, work from home is here to stay. I think any pants, any clothes (laughs) while we're in a, um, I don't know, a, a troubled economy, like these are, it's all discretionary spending. Everyone has jeans. Everyone has, I I don't know that we need a trendy pair or a new pair or a refresh. Um, I think there's something there. Um, A lot of the analyst talk was about, you know, if people are going to invest, they're going to go, I guess, more formal or less formal. They want active wear or they want work clothes, like a suit or dress pants, which I see that. But there's also, I would think some of the analysts like catch up. Um, <laughs> Levi's has rounded out their their offerings. Like it's not all jeans. They've got the tops to go with it. I think jeans are 60% of their sales and 40% oh. is everything else. That's so good... that's like pretty close to 50-50. For sure. And also uh, recently acquired, they acquired uh, yoga. What is the yoga company? Oh, um, yes. Beyond Yoga, Beyond yoga. 2021. Yeah, yeah. They've got Dockers, which mm-hmm. all the talk is about, like, people are over jeans. Um, they want cargos and corduroys. Anyway, Levi's makes those things and also, you know, Dockers, a khaki pant. <laughs> I'm sure they've got cargos. Um, I'm sure it's not for trendy young girls, but maybe, like, there's some fun workwear things. Um so yeah, anyway, they, they've got a good diversified offering um, where they're not super, re- it's their their focus, but they've got other things going for them. Yeah, and and so there were estimates from some analysts like Euromonitor and Corsite that were saying that denim had been growing, you know, 12 or 15% or something the last couple of years, and that this year it would still grow, but just by a smaller amount, like, th- you know, like 5% or something. 
Um, I can probably, I can definitely see that happening. Um, I think some of the other big denim brands like Abercrombie or American Eagle have said that people are a little more interested in buying cargo pants and stuff. But my thinking is, and this is just my speculation, when you're in a sort of uh, inflation, inflationary period, uh, such a weird term, but you know what I mean, when things are more expensive, I would think that jeans are very attractive because they are like affordable and very durable and, you and never do, go out of style, and never go except out of style. for skinny jeans. <laughs> well, they, but it's like you could get, you know, Wrangler jeans, I don't know, for not even that much. And they probably are going to look good. And you don't have to wash them that much. And they hold up for a long time. And they're like tough. I'm like, that sounds like exactly what people would need <laughs> yeah. right now. So, but I mean, again, that's just my speculation. Maybe people really are like, now is the time for corduroys. Like, maybe that's true. Um but I, I would think that jeans would do well in this kind of period because, you know, or, but like yeah. you said, the sort of elevated jeans that are kind of right in the middle are, I could see that being tougher because like you said, when it's, when it's like a tough economic time, it's either super cheap or for, if you can afford it, this people would just go super expensive. So jeans that are maybe like a $120 pair of jeans, which is more, a little more expensive might be less attractive rather yeah. than just, you know, like $20 Walmart jeans or something. Exactly. And Levi's, like most everyone else, has raised their prices. There was a stat out there that um, 501s were $98 in 2019. Now or in the last year, they bumped up to 108 It's just $10. But I mean, $10 makes a difference. Who wants to spend over $100? Yeah. Yeah, that that does add up. And I mentioned earlier that, they, that Levi's has also seen... Uh, a slight decline in their DTC and online sales. And that tells me, I wonder if people are just buy, like still buying Levi's, but going to Macy's or JCPenney or whatever and picking them up there or even Amazon or something like that um, rather than buying directly from the, the brand. I also feel like direct is where you tend to get more full price. Um, I mean, people do discounts on their sites and stuff, but um, that's where the brand new product is. That's out at full price. Whereas you could go to yeah, Kohl's Macy's. Or, or Macy's or something. <laughs> Friends and, and family sale, Kohl's bucks, what are they called? <laughs> yeah, Kohl, use your Kohl's bucks. And yeah, so I, I wonder if that shift is also part of it, you know, more towards the yeah. wholesale. Their website sales did uh, decline, but I also know some of the direct sales, they were saying the impact had to do with uh, closing stores in Russia, um, but they're going to counter that by opening a bunch of stores in Europe, I think 100. Um, and I don't know if that's only for this year, like 100, that would be really fast, but um, in the future. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I probably need to restock on on some jeans. I don't know about you, but I actually, I my personal life, I have been wearing less jeans and more just like slacks from Banana Republic or something. Um, I don't know why. That's just a shift that has happened for me personally. But I don't know if I could attribute that to any sort of economic factor or the environment or anything or more just like, I don't know, I wanted to buy more of those. Anyway, well, we'll keep tracking this category. Any other thoughts on denim or Levi's before we sign off, Jill? 
No, go Levi's. They proved everyone wrong. I like it. <laughs> they did. I'm glad we waited to record this also because the script I was writing before the earnings is very different than the one I wrote after. Um, <laughs> Jill, thank you so much for joining me again. This is always so fun. For those of you listening, um, don't forget to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. That really helps us out a lot. And don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because you will hear the week in review with me and Jill, sometimes me and Sophia, sometimes me and other members of the Glossy team. That's every Friday and every Wednesday on the Glossy Podcast, we interview some cool, interesting person from the industry. Jill, who's our next guest? Get ready for some fun. It was a Zara Therese Tish. She's got an activewear brand called Therese, which is like mm. wild, ultra colorful, ultra happy uh, leggings and activewear and just so fun to talk to. She is a ball of energy. So check it out. Cool. Well, looking forward to that. And thank you for being here, Jill. And thank you for listening. 